Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and still seems to have his energy and health. He says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and she has energy all day. Many of us do not include the fruits, vegetables, and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. You can watch it by going to mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. It may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. All right, everyone, welcome once again to another edition of the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, as always, on a cool, and I'm going to say fall, it's definitely fall, morning here in uh, upstate New York. And I'm kind of curious where uh, my my guest today, Tim Bushong, uh, you're in Indiana. Is it a fall morning there? It is. We've we've enjoyed about three weeks of the greatest weather that can possibly be. And it just now uh, we had a little rain last night, and it's it's one of those classic darker fall days. I might still go out and take a walk and stuff. It's a little windier, Lustier. but man, it's it's just been gorgeous, and now everything's just you see in the gold and the red peek through in the trees. Don't they call that a blu- a blustery day? Isn't that what Winnie the Pooh calls? Time that? for a little something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little and, smackerel. And- Honey. Well, for and for those who don't know, you are the pastor of uh, Syracuse Baptist Church here in Syracuse, Indiana. Yeah. And you're uh, hosting the Jesus and Politics Conference, w- which I just got done with uh, the Truth Script Men's Conference. And um, yeah, man, I'm telling you, like, <laughs> it, it, it's good. I, I had a good time. It's fun. But you're just like shot at the end if you're do- <laughs> the, the go to guy for everything, which I know you are. So, I mean, how, you, how how's that coming along? Is it are you yeah, organized? It's, it's... Are you ready? Yeah, we've got our, our church is just awesome. Uh, like I was having a conversation with a brother last night. He's a little, little bigger church, quite a bit bigger. But he's like, man, there's just something about that that smaller group, 100, 120 some people. You know, they love each other and they just work together really well. And that's mm-hmm. I'm blessed to have uh, not only deacons and another uh, elder in the church, but just the folks are great. And I don't, you know, Sometimes you have a couple squeaky wheels in a local church. Uh, that's that's true. It's always average uh, church life. But, you know, when you got a number of families that uh, just can take the initiative and, you know, you don't have to say, hey, could you possibly? They're already in the plans. Sometimes I'll text and, oh, yeah, we started that. Great. <laughs> so I don't have to do it. There's yeah. still a lot, though. You're right. I mean, it, it's uh, it's kind of the when you're the guy who's organizing and the point man where everybody wants to, you know, go through you and make sure that they get to know you and everything. And then it, it is a decompression after a conference. Oh, sure. Yeah. And yeah, we, first... and we were praying for you guys. It go well. You, we have, yeah, yeah. Good. Everything went pretty well. Um, I I'd say the only thing, and I realized this last night that, uh, and, and this is on me is um, I think three of the sessions we did, 
the mic was on mute, oh, <laughs> the recording uh, mic, yeah. right? So, which I, my heart sank, but um, the, the year before we didn't record anything. And, and yeah. I've always kind of had that philosophy that it's for the people who show up. And so when, when people ask and say, do you have all, well, you should have showed up, you know? Yeah. It, it, it I, um, but I, I definitely, it, it's kind of a weird thing in the internet age. I think less people want to go to conferences because they can just hear the recording later if they yeah. want to hear the recording. Yeah. But there is something I think uniquely special about being there. Um, not just because there's fellowship, which is, should be reason enough to come yeah. to a conference. That's probably a, a huge reason, but also, when you're in the audience, I think the messages hit you different. Uh, mm -hmm. they're, they're meant for you in a more direct way. And, uh, of course, we do Q&As and things like that. And so you get to interact more with the speaker. And um, anyway, I, I don't want to talk about no, my that's... conference. I want to talk about your conference. Uh, tell well, everyone. This, yeah, go this ahead. applies to, to conferences everywhere. It, it really does. Yeah. So, so your conference, give us the dates. Give us where it is. How do, how do people sign up first? Yeah, so uh, I'll I'll link you to the Eventbrite uh, URL and you can post it. But uh, it's October twenty first, twenty twenty three. It's our fourth annual Jesus and Politics conference, and uh, you know the title's a little off putting to some people, but just consider it the Christian and culture, God and government, state, church and state, Jesus and politics. They're they're all basically encompassing the same ideas and principles and topics that would be discussed. So this year we subtitled it Hail to Jesus, and that kind of coincides with the the psalm that we uh, shot the music video for earlier this year in, in April, and it's a rendition of Psalm 110, the most often quoted passage of the Old Testament in the entire New Testament, and I just thought we, we need to come up with a banging version of that, and uh, so that kind of is a great... Uh, jumping off point for all of our speakers, you know, uh, given the, the cultural climate we're in, our society seems to be just rushing headlong into Romans one territory. Uh, and that's, that's sad to see because if you've, if you're a true patriot, if you're a true American, not just a Christian and, and let's not try to make this gloss over and well, it needs to apply to every Christian who lives everywhere in the whole entire world. Um, no, we all live in different locations. We all have certain affinities and connections. And so if you're in Northern Indiana in 2023, there are certain topics and cultural, uh, manifestations of righteousness or evil that you're going to be more in tune with than say the things that are going on in Hungary today, or even Uganda. Can I say that Uganda? We all York. have that flag, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, but many Christians on Twitter have posted that flag on their, on their Why? profile. What's going on? Yeah, I'm Didn't not going to read the Christianity it, Today Today article. You know, I think yeah, I did see that it was a, few, a few months ago, and that was a hot topic. They're uh, anti. Uh, people are framing it as anti-homosexual, but it's really more of a. Um, it's yeah, very specific. I, it's it's if you I think con contracted certain like venereal diseases mm -hmm. and AIDS, you, you, you shouldn't be <laughs> having yeah, sexual relationships with virgins, that kind of thing. Definitely co common sense application of law to a society, you know? It, yeah, it's so common sense, but it, it's, of course, you know, you have even Ted Cruz and, and conservatives thinking this is the worst thing in the world. 
Right. Um, right. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, you think you're right there. You're in a particular situation in northern Indiana. One of the things I've always appreciated about your conferences, and I've been to uh, two of them, is right. uh, you always have um, a, a local rep come in uh, from Indiana who's who's explains to the people who primarily are from Indiana what's happening in their state government and what they can do and what um, what the issues are. And yes. Um, yeah, it, it always sounds great to me, especially coming from New York, because I'm just like, wow, you know, it's so much better. But but, you know, when you hear about the corruption of the Republican Party, it's also kind of discouraging because you're like, it's it, it's better than a, a blue state. But it's also like it's not what it could be. It could be so much right. more. And uh, right. but anyway, I mean, I've always appreciated that. Well, the first the first year you came was uh, in 21. I think that's the year we had Jason Arp show yes, up from Fort yeah. Wayne, the councilman. Yes. Now we were supposed to have Kurt Nisley as well, who was our in our state representative. He had a family emergency last minute. We're like, fair enough. And uh, I thought Jason, you know, he's not, he's not a public speaker, but when it came time for the Q and a, he had the most interesting stories and data to share with everyone. Yeah. Cause he'd been in the middle of it. And, and then, so then last year we did have Kurt speak. Now it was his, his last, uh, Kind of, I think within the last week of his um, holding that position, and he's he had done a lot of work, especially with uh, with trying to get bills of abolition passed. And what's what's really been disconcerting to a lot of Christians when they find this out that one of the greatest uh, bastions of opposition to abolishing abortion, even putting it out there, has been institutional right to life groups. And my kids didn't know that. They, they were like, why can't we just do it all? I said, oh, hey, I'm I'm all about that smash mouth incrementalism. You know, I get yeah. it. Yeah. But you but with <clears throat> on the same you're on the same team, you've got a whole faction of people saying, well, you guys, you know, you're you're hitting too hard. Don't hit because you know they might they won't like it. Whatever. I know it's deeper than that. I'm just yeah yeah caricaturizing it. Well, it reminds me of the meme, you know, us us younger guys. I guess am I still a younger guy? I think so. We yes, you uh, are. We think in memes. That's yeah. that's part of the problem with with uh, the millennials and the the Gen Z is you know <laughs> memes just come to mind, and and there's just one meme where uh, it, it's a it, you it's a format that you could put a lot of things in, but it's the child who asks his mom, you know, why can't we have that at home? And and the mom says, we already have that at home, and then it's a picture of some pathetic you know, rendition, you know, it's like, I want a super soaker. We already have squirt guns at home and it's like some pathetic, right? right. So I feel that way about the pro-life. Like, it's like, Hey, why can't we have anti-abortion uh, organizations right. and legislatures? And, you know, and it's like the Republican party's like, we have that already. And then <laughs> and you look at what you have and you're like, this is a joke, right? And it's re regulated baby, baby dismemberment. Oh, great. Way to go. Yeah. And, and I hated it. My eyes have been open to that more, I, I would say, recently, I think. Yeah. I mean, I've I've always known that the Republican Party's corrupt, that there's corruption surrounding them and the all the organizations. But um, I think that Lizzie Marbach thing really uh, it was in Ohio, not Indiana, neighboring state, though. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. That really just. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. Boy. And, then, you know, I talked to her a little off camera, too. And I'm just like, we're in a bad way, man. Yeah, that was that was a that was an eye-opening interview. I I really appreciated that yeah. one. Um, uh, you know, anyway, and one of the yeah. so one of the things about about our conference in particular is that 
although it has this kind of uh, scandalizing title to it, um, what what I've tried to do, and like, you know, I've told people, the first one was kind of last minute. It's 2020. Hey, let's have a conference. It's the middle of September. Who needs months and months of planning? Let's just throw it out there and see what happens, you know. Um, but I try to bring people that are going to either, like you say, have some skin in the game locally, have some experience in the political realm, because we're not Anabaptists. We don't believe that uh, turn the other cheek means you can't be a police officer, you know, or a public official or a county commissioner or chief of police. Um, and so also bringing in that other perspective, it's like a like a multifaceted diamond. You got a lot of different lights showing that make up the one thing is a pastoral perspective as well. Um, you know, we got people in the pews that are frankly just shell shocked if that's a, a good way to put it. Um, and thinking in memes, let's, let's go back to that for just a second. That's, <laughs> that's actually not that new. It, if you, if you think about the reformation and some of the memes that Martin Luther had drawn up with the Pope and flatulence, I mean, it, it says yeah. an awful lot. You can, you can get a good point across and that's why I'm not I'm not a huge fan of, you know, hour, hour and 15 sermons. You've got to be pretty, pretty on point to make those, uh, you know, stick and be able to walk away going. Yes. Now that, that's something right. And so in the conference, um, you know, leading up to it, we're going to be you know, pushing some not not sloganeering, but meme type of truths that can be communicated that are going to make some people angry and some people are going to go, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the whole time we've, we've had it, there've been people that are like more from my generation, a little older, you know, they're the co traditional Reagan conservatives. Mm -hmm. You also have the, the, the far end of the other spectrum, not from the left. We, we haven't had people. I don't know why they don't want to come to our conference. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> you know, you could just, you could ask yeah. questions, interact. Well, first, first time I came, you had a, a local newspaper guy there, yeah, trying to ask me questions, and it's it's funny because I was super skeptical. I was trying, I did, I wanted to ignore the guy. I just my <laughs> own experiences with the media have always been negative. Um, yeah, there's yeah. three major events in my life. I was there and I saw what they reported, and it wasn't what I saw. And I exactly and, and but this he's but he you still have that Norman Rockwell kind of feel to Syracuse, <laughs> where you, you you know the local newspaper man is you know if, if he doesn't get it right, he's going to hear from you. You know, it's like <laughs> it, it, it's just interesting to me that small town dynamic. It, it's still yeah. alive and well in many parts of this country. By by the way, that man's name uh, is Ray Below. And he passed away a month ago. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. I was too. I'd, I'd reached out to him and, you know, because it's every year he's been very, very positive. I mean, he he took flack on Facebook for even reporting that we're going to have this conference. Yeah. And all the all the crazies came out. Even, even fellow Christians came out of the woodwork and were like, oh, any church that does this should lose their tax exempt status. And he, yeah. he stuck with it. Well, so when I reached out the, the the new person, oh, I'm so sorry, he passed away. I didn't I didn't even know he was he was a great. So guy. are they going to cover it or? Yeah, actually, uh, today, 
paper comes out. Um, they said they're going to run a run a feature today and then next week as well. So nice. We'll see. We'll, we'll see how it's reported. My experience with the media has been exactly like yours. Only I'll ask you one question, you give an answer, and then the inter in the interview you see on television, that same answer is to a completely different question and changes everything. Yeah, yeah. It's Don't. pretty amazing the things they did. There was this one I still remember. I was asked to do an interview, and I didn't do it. Uh, someone else took my place, but it was on these uh, Confederate memorials or monuments in Raleigh, North Carolina. They were taking yeah. them down, you know, state capitol. They wanted to take them down. And um, it, the whole thing was hysterical to me because, you know, they did this zoom in with the scary music. I think it was uh, on this this memorial that was the mother's memorial, literally to moms who, yeah. you know, their sons yeah. went to war. And it was like, you know, the shadows of white supremacy are still with us. And um, anyway, they, they the guy they got to, uh, the, the, they had originally asked me, but the, the guy they ended up filling in with, he's, he said one thing the entire segment. It was like a 20-minute segment or something. And I don't know, 15 minutes maybe. But it was the, the opposition. So, so, so they, you know, they interviewed their expert, who's, of right. course, you know, has the same view as the interviewer, who's liberal, who has, and then they get, you know, their neutral citizen who's also a, a hack you know for the left and then they have their one guy who's like gonna give the conservative response and this is all he said the entire segment they said well what would you do if someone says i'm offended by these statues and he says well i'd ask them if they want to have a cup of coffee with me cut that was it that's all he said and the only pushback in the entire yeah. thing for right you know the left's agenda was you know, a conservative wants to have a cup of coffee with you well, it's, um, well, it's kind of fitting, I suppose. <laughs> well, for the for the entire Starbucks advertising plan that they had come up with, that's pretty helpful. But yeah, not for the not the for the rest of us. Well, we 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 need a white pill here. We need uh, you know, you're you're always happy, which um, probably makes some people mad, I would imagine. Uh, but you do these these conferences <laughs> in the you know during Biden's uh, presidency, and you know a lot of things look kind of bleak. What? Uh, you know, I don't, what gives you hope? What What do you see on the horizon that you're excited about? Why do you keep even doing this? What's the point? Yeah, uh, th those are those are good questions. Um, I think what, first of all, they're hail to Jesus. If Jesus is truly king and he has a kingdom and that kingdom has uh, manifestations in the world in which we live and Christians look around and we don't see you know, like Hebrews says, we do not yet see this, but we see Jesus. Um, and I know that's a bit of an exegetical stretch, but I'm a pastor and in closing in three hours later. So it's it's like since that's true, and that means that the antithesis is a lie. Uh, Satan's not the God of this world in the sense of physical universe. He's the, he's the God of the worldly world, you know, where backdoor deals and backstabbings and lying and grand armies with banners awaving. That's the only thing he's got. And we have the Lord Jesus Christ who overcame death itself. And Jesus is interested in the political systems that we have because Jesus loves his creation. God so loved his creation that he did what? He gave his son as a propitiation for all his people. And it's not in order to instantly translate us into glory. It's so that we grow in maturity in Christ. And part of that growing in maturity in Christ is growing in maturity of your understanding of the world around you. So 
I want to bring in people that are going to help the local Christians here. And this year we've got people coming from a lot farther away than just a couple hours, which I'm just so excited about. Um, but I, we want to equip them so that they can think, first of all, outside of the uh, the box that the pagans want to put you in. Uh, you know, the, the assumptions of, say, post-World War II, uh, Enlightenment-based uh, uh, Eisenhower. We always, you know, we knock, we shouldn't say that, but because Eisenhower was a pretty decent man, but we we tend to associate the Eisenhower presidency with that lull in the spiritual battle action. You know, our enemies have been defeated, except for Russia. And, you know, the, the the baby boom is going on. Unions can negotiate contracts that are completely unsustainable in reality, which is what has happened, you know. And so all that to say, that's not the world we live in. We live in 2023. In fact, wouldn't it be nice to go back to the early 80s? Well, no, because that's not the time we live in. And Mm-hmm. <laughs> that had its own problems. You know, I was there. I remember. I remember Clarence Thomas getting thrown under the bus. It's, there's always been this Machiavellian, uh, you know, top down at all costs winning, you know. Well, now it's it's gotten to the point where, uh, you know, people are genuinely distressed about not just their pocketbook, but about uh, a, a war looming in the East. You know, this sounds like Tolkien or something, <laughs> a great power. I've seen the eye, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we have supposedly Christian conservative Republican leaders saying, well, we might have to send troops over to, you know, where. And I'm like, you guys have lost your minds. The, what possible um, priority would an alliance with a group of nations take over your own country. My stars. Um, The southern border is, it's collapsed. You know, a state governor tries to do something and the feds come in and break it up. Okay. That's, that sounds familiar. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the stuff that makes for civil wars, really. I mean, and, and, and I think maybe the national or the general government is too strong now and the states are too weak to, um, do much of that, but the you know, not that anyone wants a war, but but even just yeah. trying to nullify or saying we don't care which you know we're going to arrest any federal officer that comes in here and tries to stop us from securing our border, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, which, yeah. which inevitably you know the general government wants their control, so it would probably lead to conflict. But but yeah, well, there's but, a there's ahead. a real gauntlet being thrown down there on on that level, and yeah. all all the while, you know, the people in in the boroughs of New York city that are being overrun with those same supposedly refugee. They're not, there's no war. Right. Right. And they can't take it. So there's, there's unrest there. And this is all playing into the hands of the future Napoleon, you know, (laughs) if you want to say it that way. It's interesting because I'm an hour and a half, two hours North of New York city. And yeah, they, they desperately, they've always done this. This is a, there's a battle between upstate and New York city where, you know, upstate every once in a while, the, the talk of splitting the state up and seceding and, and letting the city do their own thing comes up. And of course it'll never happen, but um, well, I shouldn't say never, but it, it, <laughs> in the current political paradigm, it won't happen. And um, yeah, uh, they, New York city keeps trying to kind of take their problems and uh, you know, ship them to other parts of the state. So they'll take yeah. their homeless problem and, 
ship their homeless people up to some small town in the middle of the Catskill Mountains, right? Or like Roscoe, New York. Or yeah. in this recent thing, what they did was they tried to um, send some of the illegal migrants up to displace veterans who are living in hotels in Newburgh, New York. And yes. the uh, mayor, uh, or the I should say the county uh, supervisor, got so mad and uh, I guess put an end to it. And so it, it's contained now a little more, as, as I understand it, in New York. I'm sure the problem the problem's reaching us. I know it is because I see it. But, mm-hmm. um, but, but it's just interesting. Like they're having to live with the consequence of their terrible decisions and policies, whereas in years prior, they never did. It was always border yeah. states, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. that got the brunt of it. And uh, I mean, part of me is happy to see that. So uh, yeah. maybe they'll think through, but I don't think they will. <laughs> well, so... So it sounds like we're we're painting a, a dire picture, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I was trying to get away from that. Be, and, and exactly, just, exactly. What did so, what, what happened? Okay. So there there's a there's a principle of subsidiary. Sub, um, am I saying that right? It's that that Chesterton local is better than bigger. Whatever you can solve on a local level. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, so there, a, there, I think it's a Roman Catholic uh, sort of political philosophy but yeah that, that's it's right a, yeah it's a good one yeah yeah it's one of those i mean we we can look at at uh the representative republic we have as a result of northern european protestantism well okay if if the roman catholics come up with something that's well like uh, you know sphere sovereignty is pretty similar to subsidiary yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i can't exactly. say it either exactly <laughs> subsidiary subsidiary yeah something yeah yeah, it was uh, it was Chesterton and his buddy who who were embracing that. But so anyway, that 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 said, um, there is a there is a principle in which you want to strengthen what remains and be able to prioritize that which you have direct um, contact with and even authority over. So, for example, every every man, every father listening to us today can be scratching his head and worried about Ukraine. But the main priority is his household, uh, getting his finances in order, making sure his, his children are uh, being led well, that his wife is is fulfilled spiritually and emotionally and, and all the things that a man has to do in his in his household. Um, and start there. You know, we, we always talk about this in relation to missions and evangelism and Somebody said, well, I, I think I'm called to be a missionary. He says, well, are you reaching out to anyone where you live now? And if you're not, then you might not have a missionary evangelist uh, calling. You know, you right, just don't right. know. And so this is why it's been helpful. Guys like Michael Foster with the County Before Country uh, conference and not just a conference, but actually putting these things into practice. There's some uh, there's a town that they they uh, intentionally moved uh, in the proximity of, they have business set up, they have jobs. Um, there's a, a manufacturing base. So what's, what's interesting about this area of the country is that, yeah, we've got our, we've got our loony lefty contingency. Every, every community does, but by and large, this is a prosperous area because of basic fundamental Protestant work ethic going on. So when when people recognize that and go, okay, if if I'm unemployed in Syracuse, it's because I don't want to work, which is different than maybe being in, unemployed somewhere else, where it's a real, 
desperation to have yeah. some kind of uh, employment and income. Um, and the other thing is that since they're, since the church is, is God's fundamental ordained organization on earth, the local church, I'm a Baptist, so I don't think it's anything greater than the local church. Thank you. Um, then it's really imperative that local churches, uh, pastors train their people to think outside the box, think with, within the box of biblical orthodoxy, you know, our, our circle, that's, you know, again, presuppositions, un, unproven assertions, a network. Once you get that and you're grounding in the word of God, then you need a spine to be able to stand on those principles, enact those things, whether it's at the job or uh, at school. I don't, you know, we have a church full of homeschoolers and Christian school. I don't think there's one, one public school family at the same time. I know there are, there are things, uh, situations in which, okay, that's, that's the option you have to take it. Any of those things has to be considered an outpost of the kingdom of God where, okay, this is my sphere. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know about you right. guys. And just in those small little steps like that, then you can get to organizing abolition movements. You can get towards uh, actually running a candidate that is going to govern in such a way as not to bankrupt the whole entire system or bring in some of the uh, the weirder aspects of our society today. Yeah. So, you know, since I've, I've always been a, a big fan of the, the, the bigger picture, worldview, Schaefer, foundations, and all, yep. all that, that's generally where I where I come from, then a Joe Spurgeon is going to come along and, and give it that uh, challenging pastoral oomph. You know, remember his talk, the tire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always convicting and I'm, I just <laughs> I have to leave, you know, I'm I, just like, I can't take this one. <laughs> <laughs> right. I can't hear bash the government. What are you doing? No. Exactly. <laughs> right. And see, that's where, that's where some of the people that have brought these, you know, irrational critiques against us, they don't have any leg to stand on because they don't know what they're talking about. We're we're not about what you wait. Just hold said. on, hold on. People online saying things that they don't know about. Hold on. It reminds me of the old uh, <laughs> the Steve Martin bit where he says, "My grandmother used to sing this song to me. And it's all gentle." And and then the next line, criticize things you don't know about. <laughs> I have I that, that you dating yourself a little. Bit. I know. I okay, boomer. Yeah, he's got whiter <laughs> hair than I. Well, then then did, I want though. yeah. Then I bring somebody like like you who is at the time the 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 big issue was social justice in the church by the way it's it's still there it's just percolating you know yeah. you see Although that this that, year this year i don't think i'm going to talk about it uh that's right right i'm going to talk about uh, lib classical liberalism and um and 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 really I, you know as it i i should say it's a particular strain that's manifested itself in the post-war consensus that it's just funny to me online right now how uh Guys who have never—it's it, obvious to me—they've never been exposed to this kind of language. Yeah. They don't, yeah. They—they—they they, they probably knew what post-war consensus meant, you know, about two seconds ago, and now you know uh, uh, the cartoon version. <laughs> and now they are—they're um, bandying it about all over the place. But uh, of course, this has been—I mean, I've read—you know—I read Roger Scruton, right? I love right. Roger Scruton. He yep. talks about this. Th yep. This is something that's been in political philosophy for years, and. Uh, yeah. And it's a particular thing. And so um, I, I just, you, you know, I, I know you're, you're post mill, right? 
mm-hmm. even though you're a Baptist, but you're a post-mill Baptist. Um, well, it's the only consistent way to be. Uh, <laughs> and it's fun, let me tell you. Well, yeah. Are, are you a theonomist? Do you take that label or you're... you're... I, I, I'm i with Askel and Bauckham on this. General equity has to be in there. Okay. Then you'll, right. con- you'll confuse people. and But yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sure, sure. Okay. Cause because even when you were saying, you know, outposts of the kingdom, I'm sensing that's the kind of language in that in that world. And I don't know where I was going with this. I had a question for you. And now I've just <laughs> totally lost it. Which well, I should be about... happening at my age. So that's right. That's um, right. Just just wait. Well, here, yeah. here's the other you were talking about your your topic, uh, the post-war consensus, which in a nutshell is hey, let's not make such a big deal about this stuff. We'll just tolerate each other. I had a I had a talk that was very uh, foundational in, in helping me flesh some of this out. Man, back in the late 80s, I think it was, I had it on cassette tape. Um, it was pluralism, relativism, and tolerance. And the, the, the overlap, but also the distinctions between those three things. And, uh, you know, in, in, in normal life, you could tolerate certain things, uh, certain behaviors, as Doug Wilson says, not every sin is a crime. Okay. You have to grant that because coveting is a sin, but how can you enforce that? Right. Um, you only enforce that, which you see and observe and watch people do. So, so with, with pluralism, it's in, in one sense, it's just a fact of cultural cohesion. There. It's the opposite of cohesion, but it happens to be the reality of the situation. In other words, you could say something very strong, very convictionally based, biblical. And what's the average pew sitter who doesn't know better? They're going to say, well, you know, there are people that disagree with you on that. Yeah. I had that after I preached uh, through First Timothy 2 and 3. Well, you know, there are some some Christians that don't agree with that. I said, well, um, yeah, that's why I'm talking about it because I, we, we want to correct those misconceptions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I remembered what I was, where I was going with that question that I asked yeah. you earlier. So I was going to say this, this will be interesting. So, so you, you went through kind of the speakers and I know there's more speakers. I, we should probably finish that. And then I'll ask you the question. Yeah. So William Wolf is coming, right? Yes. Yes. And you, thank, thanks for recommending him, John. Yeah, you're going to be in big trouble for having. Oh, him. I know. Okay. Now, now I realize that, and it's just too late. You, <laughs> you know, the tickets have been purchased. Everything's in place. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, so here, here we have our our uh, requisite conference uh, speaker who has some experience in the realm of yes, politics. Yeah. He actually he, has he worked spent, for the Trump administration. That's that's right. That's right. Now, I guarantee if I had somebody coming in who had worked in the Obama administration, there'd be more people signing up. You think so? And in, in Syracuse, Indiana, it's pretty red I, there. It It is. It is. I'm talking from the church. Oh, from uh-huh. from, from the church uh, universal or the church? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that, that could be. That could be. But um, obviously the point isn't to just bring in numbers or whatever. I want I want to hear what this this young feller has to say, and I think his some of his perspectives, especially when I just started watching following him on on X, <laughs> Twitter, <laughs> right? And, yep. Yeah, the unknown, right? Um, you know, he'll he'll say things like, 
again, I, I've, I've said this in the last month a couple of times, but the, the, my heartbeat is not with my boomer con friends. Uh, there, there are a few older guys that I really respect and, and love and admire. Again, you know, Tom Askell, Vody, Doug Wilson, the list goes on. But there's a bunch of these guys that are just scrambling to try to throw their fellow Christians under the bus. And yeah. and so when I when I read the things that a guy like like you, um, you were very helpful to me. I'm, a, I'm an older guy. I've been around the block a few times. But during that social justice kerfluffle in 19 and 20, very helpful. A.D. was helpful. Yeah. And now now I'm I'm seeing William Wolf has a lot to bring to the table. Uh he he's no dummy and yeah. he understands how these um how the political machinations uh move on grinding like a great wheel yeah. crushing everything in his path or can it be tamed and used for good? Well, obviously yeah. we we wouldn't be talking about it if we thought it was only the former. Yeah. So Fun yeah, fact. I'm, I'm looking Looking forward to that. Yeah. F fun trivia here. Um, if AD would have responded to his text messages, you know, in time, he would probably be having this conversation with be. you. Because <laughs> the first time I think you, you said you invited both of us, and I'm the only I, I responded. So yeah, I don't know if I, I was the only one, but whoever replies first, first I, can, I can only afford one of you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so so I this is what I wanted to ask you. I just it, it you're I, I was asking you about kind of your um eschatology and your your uh political or I I don't even know if I want to where I fit theonomy, your theological public theology, yeah, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and so you you have uh, you know, there's a certain kind of uh hopefulness now, not every post mill guy has it, but some do. Um, and there's pre mill guys actually and, and on mill guys who seem to have an optimism that the post mill guys don't quite understand how can you have that. So it, it, but, but, but generally speaking, correct me if I'm wrong, postmill guys known to be a little more optimistic, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're, you're an optimistic guy. Um, so I, I thought it'd be fun to do predictions a little bit and we, and we can talk about, um, the church, the state and where we see America in 10 years, 30 years. I want to read for you a quote first though. So this okay. is, um, this is, I'm going to get in trouble for this because it's Sam Francis, which people now say you know, is a white supremacist. And so, you know, I, I don't really, I don't think he is. I don't know that, but you know, so is everyone before, you know, 2010. So yeah, whatever. exactly. Um, <laughs> I just want, I'm only interested in this one quote. So he said this in, I think this was 1994. Someone sent this to me this morning and, and this is just, this is brutal. Okay. He says, whatever primitive Christianity or true Christianity or historical Christianity may or may not have believed and thought what is indisputably happening today is the deliberate extirpation from Christianity of the European heritage by its enemies within the church, or within churches, sorry. The institutional Christianity that flourishes today is no longer the same religion as practiced by Charlemagne and his successors, and it no longer supports the civilization they formed. Indeed, organized Christianity today is the enemy of Europe and the race that created it, which, of course, now everyone's scared because, you know, yeah, it sounds, he said race. He said race. He said the word. Yeah. So, any, so, so anyway, the only reason I read that is because someone sent it to me uh, this morning and just was kind of like, um, man, you know, evangelicalism in, in the United States. Uh, but this this could apply to almost any denomination, really. Or you could broaden it to Christendom in general. The Catholic Church fits into this. It is. Uh, it is not designed by and large, or I shouldn't even say designed. It does not function by and large 
to reinforce things that Christianity used to assume or reinforce, right? We take, yeah. we, we're just talking about the border issue, right? Roman right. Catholic Church is one of the biggest advocates for, and, and I don't think that there's any papal, you know, decree that comes out and says we're for illegal migration, but right. the way the whole issue is couched is that uh, Christians ought to, they shouldn't really be in opposition to the poor and the sojourner, you know, coming here. Russell Moore says the same kind of stuff. Um, th there is this kind of notion that uh, lineage doesn't really matter at all. Uh, living for generations in the same area, building trust within the community doesn't matter. You can become an American uh, immediately through, uh, you don't even necessarily have to go through an assimilation process. It's just, you believe, do you believe in freedom? Do you, do you want opportunity? Do you, you know, that, that somehow is enough to make you American. This is just assumed. Um, principle pluralism, I learned that in seminary by yeah. uh, George, George uh, Marsden, you know, is yeah. pushing this. You know, that's post-war consensus talk. That's we want a neutral public square. We want that's atheists right. and Christians and gays to all get along. Somehow that's possible because we're all committed to neutrality, which is what being an American again is. And, and it's all universal. You know, for, for the whole world needs to just adopt this model of secularism and we'll be OK. Yeah. We won't have um, another war. It, it, it's insane. The whole thing is yeah. insane. And what it does, and I yeah. think Sam Francis is, is having this in mind, I would assume. I don't know the context of the quote, but it, 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 there's a created order that God set up, right? And then there is, and this is where I want to get your thoughts. There, there is a, um, there, there, there's what Jesus Christ came and implemented, this, this kingdom of God, this new paradigm, if you will, where, of course, every tongue, tribe, and nation is part of the church. Of course, there is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free, right. uh, male nor female. Of course, we're all, the, the, the ground is level, as Robert E. Lee said, at the foot of the cross. Of course. And I quoted Robert E. Lee, so that's even more scary. But Oh, you're, uh, you're making friends fast I'm, here. Everyone is going to kill me. So, yeah. so, so, so the thing is, though, that there's these two kinds of things. And, and maybe Sam Francis didn't have the theological acumen to pick up on this. I don't know. But I think what he might be detecting is this kind of flattening of the natural order of things, that God actually made different peoples. Um, yeah, he made Adam and Eve, but from them, you know, he, the Tower of Babel and, and he he had he made different languages. God, that's part of the creation, actually. You know, it yeah. didn't, in a yeah. sense, I, you know, creation uh, was six days, but uh, in seventh day he rested. But but there's actually I mean, he's done miracles since then. He created languages. There, there's other God's active. And um, and so, you know, you have a created order with hierarchy, a natural aristocracy, as Jefferson said, kind of embedded yeah. Yeah. within it. And, and because it doesn't exist that way in the, the kingdom of God paradigm or the spiritual kingdom that Jesus was implementing, the church almost sees it as, it seems to me, as an enemy. And, and, and this jives so much with the post-war thinking and, and this, new, this sort of classical liberal neutrality that you, there, we can split our minds in two and we can have kind of, on the one hand, we, we can have the truth of Christianity, which is this kind of higher truth. And then on the other hand, this kind of... Um, this order that exists in the world, which we don't really, we, we we're not, we're not in favor of, but, but what's happening is we're progressively emancipating ourselves from it. And we're realizing yeah. the kingdom of God over time and things are becoming more equal and there's more freedom and everything's just kind of getting better. And, and I look around and I say, no, it's not. Things are yeah. collapsing. So here's my prediction. I know that was a sermon. Thank you for listening, Tim Bushong. Um, appreciate that. Uh, now I don't even not need to give a talk. 
So <laughs> my my prediction is this. We'll loop that. Th- th- that's right. Things will break down in the next. I, I, I think they're breaking down right in front of our eyes. But I think in the next five to 10 years, we're going to have serious violence. I think, you know, the left keeps predicting white nationalists are going to. I think there's some truth to that. I think you push someone too far. You displace them. You um, you go into areas and you shut them out because the prices are too high for them and stuff. You know, you you are going to get violence. You're going to have a lot of violence between these illegal See, migrants. You just just noticing that as a trend and as a uh, portent of things to come is not the same as fomenting it. They're not. Oh the yeah, same I, yeah, yeah, I have to say that. Of course, I'm you not. You have in favor to say that. And yeah. the and the pro the problem is that this has always been. If you're going to speak in in the in the right sense of the word in the Old Testament sense prophetically to a culture. Even if you're, you know, again, not a prophet, not the son of a prophet, neither are you, wonderful. But Schaefer would see these trends in society and say, he's the one that predicted they were going to put stuff in the water. Um, you know, now it's, now it's, oh, you can't be conspiratorial. Well, until it's true. And then you go, well, okay, I guess. They were turning the frogs gay. Yeah. They were. <laughs> it's just because the guy said, hey, frog. Yeah, yeah, we, voice, we didn't take him know? seriously. When Alex Jones was on Glenn Beck, I was like, "Whoa, this is rich," you know. Uh-huh. Now we're saying, you know, he was right about some things, but well, um, and and here's yeah. the thing with so so well, the the mainstream, uh, they're 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 good at being right until they're wrong, and you know, I wish guys like Glenn Beck would have been a little more prescient back in the late two thousand, you know, two thousand seven eight. I mean, they just threw Ron Paul under the bus and. Whatever you think about that guy, uh, most of the stuff he's been saying economically has come to pass, right? Money's just water. It just flows and they oh, print sure. more of it and it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. So so the the prediction of some kind of interesting conflict that is less than civil, right? I, this, I don't know. We already have conflict, so I'm not right. You know, I just think it'll escalate. And, and I think you'll have migrant communities clashing with other minority communities in urban areas. That's happening in Chicago right already. now. Yes. And, yes. you know, you're you're not far from there. So, you, you know, right. Two and a sure half you hours. go there all the time because you love Chicago. Oh, you, absolutely. Yeah, drive just around. Enjoy. Yeah. We just had a conversation <laughs> uh, whether you want to fly out of Fort Wayne, which is an hour away or fly out of Chicago. And it's like, I will pay $200 extra to fly out of Fort Wayne. Yeah, no kidding. I don't want to drive to O'Hare. So so, I'll finish my prediction and then you can have the floor talk as long as you want. So my prediction is this. In the next five to 10 years, we'll have major conflict. Things things will not work. Things that that used to work. And I'm talking about, you know, we could have problems with the power going out more, Mm -hmm. you know, more. That's what's happening in places like South Africa right now. We could have problems with, supply lines we had that in 2020 but um or, or they're the, the things that are being produced like the things that we actually need or you know we don't get but we get a bunch of stuff we don't need and mm-hmm. it's there, there's too much interference with the government into the market and um and regulating so that we don't have uh we don't have enough people actually paying for the rest of us the jobs are, are decreasing i i read that when food stamps started in 1975 when that's when the program really got underway you know it was like five or six percent of the population now i think it's yeah. like it's like something like 16 percent. so i mean and they'll point to that as see it's working yeah yeah they will and, oh, and the thing is no. though that all of this stuff spells disaster large yeah. groups of migrants come here it spells everything is disaster 
So what does that mean for us? This is my prediction. I think that this is an opportunity, right? Every time something bad happens, there, there's always an opportunity. I think there was some leftist who said that, right? But he's right. <laughs> um, for Christian men, I think this is an opportunity to take back a position in society. They used to call it the gentleman. Gentlemen, they, they had a special privilege with being a gentleman. You were respected. Um, right. You were a leader in your community. And it was it existed on a local level. We're going to go back to it in some form, I think, because people don't trust any of these big institutions. They're distant. You know, you're a number to them. They're looking for people in their own community. And if Chris, Christians are so the Christian industry is so slow to recognize this, they, they just don't see. I think that that is the need of the hour. So they're still trying right. to cater to leftists and and. And and, you know, uh, I guess moderate Republicans and, and things. But but you got to go um, what will be considered hard right, to be honest with you. You got to go strong localist, strong community center. We're going to protect this community. Yeah. Um, be a man, not just in your home, but also in publicly in your community. And I think people will notice and that will be the thing, the glue that binds communities together when all hell is happening around them, so to speak. Yeah. So. um so that's my prediction is that there will be in certain areas, Christian men who stand up or just men in general, but Christian men in particular. And this will be a the formation of a new social strata. Now, th a lot of things could get in the way of this, <laughs> but that's that's actually my hope in a way. I'm talking politically, not not my obviously my hope is in Jesus Christ yeah. for salvation, yeah. but 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 politically for our country, for our communities. I think there's an opportunity here to to uh, think local, and and that's kind of yeah. I, I said something similar last year, but I it, it it's become more apparent to me. So, what's your prediction, post mill theonomy guy? Um, yeah. What do you I mean? Is Jesus going to come back next year? Is that what you're thinking, or what? Yes, as a post millennialist, I'm willing to modify my eschatology in the middle of the air. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else said that. I I can't remember. Um, so a couple of things. We back up to your your uh, the the flattening of of all things, right? Um, in fact, I was just having this conversation with uh, another local man. I said, you know, as soon as you use words like heritage, land, family, I mean, all those words are trigger words for antebellum South or blood apparently, and soil. Apparently, apparently yeah. they are right. But in in the real world, right, this is what you ask about the, the hope. Well, frankly, um, reality can only be bent until it breaks. This is God's world. He made it. He designed it. He he uh, took man and created him and put him in the garden. And now it's fallen. But man still is to exercise dominion uh, just as a rock will fall off the cliff every single time it's attempted. Um Certain societal trends can only take place up to a certain point and they break. Um, in 20th century was the bloodiest century that mankind has ever gone through. And it's because people turned their back on God and they thought, oh, we're going to create this Eden, this new society. Um, so, yeah, that's on that big global scale. However, uh, we, keep, we keep coming back to your primary responsibility. Uh, the the home, uh, local governance uh, that that matters incredibly more in a local area than what's going on, say in uh, 
in the halls of Congress, right? Uh, it's gonna it's gonna touch you at a at a deeper level. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to bring John Moody because he is also thinking in terms of uh, getting your own house in order, especially when it, uh, dealing with the most fundamental of human needs. We need to eat. You know, we have some food. <laughs> you know. Um, so we're in an, we're in an area here that's very agricultural. Uh, most people know how to keep chickens and have eggs and hunt in the fall and venison and all that. And I know not everybody can. This is again one of these rural urban uh, cautionary tales that I still want. I still want someone to write the the definitive 21st century country mouse city mouse fable and make it funny with drawing so I can enjoy it. Um, <laughs> but um, but so yeah, just because. After World War II, this is what the United States looked like after, you know, we finally acquired Hawaii when we had the 50 states on the flag. Mm -hmm. um, that, Alaska. Don't forget that, about them. That's right. That's right. Seward's folly. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, just because that has been our reality for the last 70 years or so doesn't mean it's going to be the reality for the next 100 uh, the, yeah. the kind of ideological uh, fracas that you see on college campuses, on in, in city, anytime there's a public uh, public debate or anything like that, you realize that these there's one side that looks at reality and says, yes, this is this is the world God has made. And I'm saying very general terms. This is reality. We need to work with this. There's another side that's saying. No, none of that matters. What's important is in my head. So I think that's the the impetus for you know green energy. Supposedly, we're going to just make this stuff work, and it doesn't work. My goodness, the the amount of no, effort no. and labor. It, it's kind of akin to our space program. You know, we don't have the technology yet to get from here, well, to above the atmosphere, and it just expends yeah enormous energy trying to save energy. It's ridiculous. We in see Maine, this. little tangent in Maine right now. I mean, they have this problem with we're going to put up all these wind farms in the ocean and uh -huh. ruin the fishing industry, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, not thinking through that one. Yeah, right, right. Or the the debacle was in Scotland or Ireland where they they cut down a forest to make room for a wind farm. That was Scotland. <laughs> Scott, they're literally trees making oxygen out of carbon dioxide, and you're going to go. Hey, here's an idea. Let's cut them down, you know? Yeah. So yeah, all of these these kind of plans. And, and another related tangent is the old Thatcher quote that socialism works until you run out of other people's money. Um, <laughs> so so my prediction is is similar, only I think that in the these Christian gentlemen, statesmen, uh, men with with character, Understanding the times, know what to do. You know, even in your in your localized uh, situation, um, they the people that would like to see everything flattened out, multicultural to the point of uh, that one one monoculture. Which of course that means Christianity's out. You can't have Christians in that. Uh, they don't like that. Uh, the, the the one bulwark against that is going to be the church. It's going to be healthy churches that aren't giving in to the zeitgeist, um, that understand that the kingdom of God is uh, the rule of God, 
and that God put people in families and families are good things. You don't just, uh, you know, negate all of the physical reality. What you were describing earlier just reminded me of some of the two kingdom guys. You know, uh, you know, the, got, the, we got the, the radical, church yeah. and then we got this world over here. And yeah, it's like, man. Well, I mean, I'm a two kingdom guy, but but you're talking about the Escondido type. Yes. Uh, yes. Radical. It, the two shall not come together ever. Uh, yeah. Well, the the idea that the that the uh, that the the Bible doesn't inform public policy. Yeah. We all know the quotes that the Bible alone. Right. Because it doesn't give us what the right speed limit should be at Wallace Middle School. You know, okay, yeah. but it gives us principles. We want to protect life. We want to uh, encourage people to not drive in such a way as to endanger human life. All of those are ethical concerns, and they all come from the Bible. So, yeah. Yeah. so this idea that you know the radical separation of church and state, there are some there are some pretty big hurdles that we have to get over before we're really helping Christians think about their relationship to the world around them, to the physicality of the world and the reality of the political uh, uh, system in which they live. So why wouldn't we want Christ to be king of that and have his reign more manifest starting in your home, local, county, state, and on and on? So if, they, if they're not going to do it at, the, at whatever level it is, okay, yeah. Take dominion where you are. Take well, the, the um I think the classical two kingdoms uh paradigm is you know, you have temporal world and then you have the, mm -hmm. the spiritual realm, right? So and Christ is lord of both. There's not like a um, right uh it's not like Christ is only lord of one of them. And and I I get the impression from the R2K guys, uh the radical two kingdom guys, if if you will, or or you know, I don't know, reform two kingdom, whatever they want to call themselves, that there is this kind of um you know, Christ is kind of more Lord of one of them, <laughs> I guess. He's he's definitely, you know, the church is uh does the church thing, the state does the state thing. Um and the never... state does their state thing via natural law. The church right, does right, their right. There's no thing. you have nothing to glean from the Bible. The Bible exactly. is only for the church, special revelation yeah. is only for Christians, and you have to argue on different premises if you ever and it, it's kind of like you know, we can argue on that, that, that's the funny thing to me, too, is like because not god gave us natural revelation actually you can make some pretty good arguments you know you want to argue for gay marriage well let's let's start with creation right but <laughs> you know but the right. thing is like it eventually you do have to and, and this was across the board for every protestant country in, uh, initially uh, after the reformation um and i would say even the catholic church before that i mean you had to have um biblical support for at least some of, at least you would take the principles, you'd glean the principles from the Bible. Um, and, 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 and the idea was though, that that complemented the natural order, that there wasn't any conflict there. Right. So if the Bible said it, it wasn't, you know, that, that was also inbred uh, or, or integrated into creation itself. If the, if the Bible assumes marriage is between a man and a woman, guess what? God designed it to be between a man and a woman. So it's just um, to separate those things. It, it seems like it's a very particular uh, strain of theology that only would could exist in this secular state kind of enlightenment liberalism that we. That's exist. right. It's it's meant. It's literally theology to complement a particular political order that is about three seconds old and isn't really working that well. If you look around you, 
That's right. The 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 R in front of the two K, um, and and it's not working now. That's that's the thing. It is it, even on a pragmatic level. But you can't apply that to any other nation state or country that's not already firmly based upon Christianity, because the, try right. try that in in Dubai or Kuwait. It, it wouldn't work for us for a second. And, yeah. and that's kind of the, our, uh, I guess, blindness is that we actually do have a religion that's kind of a monoculture uh, or yeah. an anti-culture yeah. that we all are meant. We have to pinch our incense to it. And we don't mm -hmm. realize that's what we're doing. That's, but that's the I God. think, you know, yeah. the jab kind of the, in 2020 kind of got people out of this mindset a little because they thought, wait a minute, how come, you know, this is almost like a religious sacrament that everyone must go through. And yeah. as they cry out to the gods of government to save them from the disease or the hurricane or whatever ailment affects us. And, and, and I think we realize there's a statism going on, but, um, but we've been doing this, I think for years, we we've mm -hmm. been, um, you know, as government increases, we've been giving them more and more of our allegiance. I mean, think of the wacky idea that a, a, a yellow bus without seatbelts comes down the road and takes your children from you. You know, like you, you, this is just normal to everyone, but this was not normal for most of human history Right. And, and for eight right. hours or whatever time it is, sometimes longer if they have sports yeah. and stuff, they're in a, a, a building, a government building um, with people that aren't their parents and aren't even necessarily now, I, I would say, trusted members of the community in many cases, teaching them, filling their heads with it. Like that's bonkers if you think about it. And I realize there's people in situations they, they, economically whatever that they kind of have to you know, try to disciple their children even through that but that's insane right yeah that to think to set up a system like that and think that's normal that's not normal well it's and it's not reality when when in your life are you going to be in proximity with people that are almost exactly your age it, that's yeah ridiculous. well there's that too yeah <laughs> that, of ignorance. that whole thing i mean you, you're talking to an inveterate old homeschooler here but hey hey tim i got a good idea let's get a bunch of kids who are at the height of their hormones let's and put falling. them all and <laughs> yeah and yeah tripping over themselves and let's, right let's get some pagans in the world who you know hate god to train them about sexuality yes. then let's put them in the same room for you know give them all the let's give them free condoms yeah um, let's force bust them to areas that uh, there's even less accountability because no one knows them there knows them, um yeah. you know that and that's for for diversity's sake because that's a higher good and um you know let's just see what happens um <laughs> you don't think anything could go wrong with this right it's i mean even joke. even you know chris rock joked about this living in a neighborhood saying when i got in trouble i wasn't just going to get spanked when i get home the whole neighborhood's going to give me a squat <laughs> on the right. way home because they right. know me and they know my parents and they know what i did right yep so there's, there's, yeah, the, the, the thing about uh, living in an actual community, uh, in other words, a physical location. First of all, it's inescapable. You got, you have a physical body. You're going to live somewhere. You're going to work somewhere. You're going to raise your kids somewhere. So, how about the Christians stop thinking in these secular, neutral ways because they're not real. That is not reality, and start taking dominion over those little local municipalities in ways that honor Christ, that will get opposition from the pagans, and yet keep keep trucking. Be anti-fragile. 
Try try your best, man. Don't. Well, what did Jesus say? If they hate uh, me, they're gonna hate you. Hate you, right? Yeah, they hated and, me first. And they're gonna and th- think about the the reasons uh, that Jesus was crucified uh, from the from the human perspective. He was slandered, lied about, uh, false testimony was given. Of course, even even that didn't quite carry the day. You know, it was ultimately, well, we're just done. We we're not going to deal with this guy anymore. Well, the same Christians are going to get that, and that's one of the myths about post millennialists is that you know, everything's rosy. No, this is going to be a battle, and the the bat. That's why we call it battle hymns because the Christian life is a battle, but it's not just in here. As important as that is, personal sanctification, but it's a battle for taking dominion, godly dominion in a world that still hates King Jesus. And yet Jesus says, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. Now go get it, you guys. So if you want to be inspired, if you want to be around like-minded believers, if you want to have a great time, if you want to have, do I understand pulled pork is going to be there? You understand correctly. Pulled pork. Then you need to come to the Jesus and Politics Conference in Syracuse, Indiana. Link is in the info section. Uh, What are the dates again? That's October 21st. And let me just throw this out there. Next year is 2024. There won't be anything going on. So we're going <laughs> to. So I'm you thinking. You don't think so, huh? Not in thinking, October. No. And and what's cool about it. So like, you know, Joe Spurgeon has come every year. You've come two out of the three. It's becoming kind of a cool family event of sorts. And I've got a couple guys on the line for next year. We'll we'll see, but they've already committed. Are they big names? Is that is that what you're getting at? They're um, in in our uh, in, in our, our circles. Circle. One of them had a Amazon bestseller, something about a axe to the root of a tree. Ah, uh, ah, yes, yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. The other one had a little something to do with a thing called PayPal. Oh. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. So I'm think so I'm thinking let's let's make it a two two day event. If people are going to be traveling here, there's plenty of there's there's lodging all over the place within 10 minutes of the of the event center and maybe expand it out cuz next year's going to be mm. <laughs> You're already <laughs> talking about next year, Tim. You got to stop because you got to get past this year first. I mean, you oh, never hey you Remember, never know. I, I could say something politically incorrect and train wreck the whole brand, you know, of Jesus and politics. That could happen. <laughs> well, we edited that out in post. So. Okay. All right. Well, the, the good thing you have the editors. Um, all right. Yeah. So, so in all seriousness, though, sign up, yeah. come. Uh, yep. It is very reasonably priced. There's even a yep. family rate. Uh, and you'll just, I think the advantage to these things primarily isn't even the speakers though, that, that the speeches are great. It, it, it's being around people and it's having yes. a meal together and networking and getting to know each other. And, um, and, and there's just, you know, you're in kind of in the middle of a very, I would say monolithic area in Syracuse. I mean, people are generally, you know, they look the same They're you know, I hope you're not insulted by this, but they, they're kind of, you know, they live in very similar fashion but you come to the conference yeah. and you got people coming in from chicago and all kinds of places. there's all different yep. people there but they're all yep. brothers in christ sisters in christ uh love the lord love each other and um and tim i can't believe we just did this whole entire podcast we've been going over an hour which is amazing it feels like 20 minutes but we never once mentioned these terms and this was not intentional we never once mentioned christian nationalism 
we never once mentioned G3. <laughs> we never once we we did not. Well, I guess you mentioned Doug Wilson in passing, but we we you know some of the hot topics out there. No enemies to the right. I thought we were going to talk yeah. about that. We didn't even mention it. Yeah, and we we filled up more than an hour. It's amazing to me. That's uh, there we go. We could have our own show and just go, you know, just let us go and you know talk about I don't know toothpicks or pizza and and just you know one hour on the subject. The relationship to that uncooked bit of meat. <laughs> so anyway, well, yeah, um, this, yeah, folks, this this conference is going to be very encouraging. Um, at 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 the very least, as John just said, uh, you you come and you network, you get to know people that are like minded that have a a vision of of uh, Christianity that's beyond the four walls of the church and beyond just personal salvation. As important and central and foundational as that is, Jesus takes dominion over his entire world. Don't let your eschatology get in the way. You know, come on. Join us, the Via Media. All right. That's a good pitch. All right, Tim. God bless. Hope you uh, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll see you in October. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.